If you're ever going to take notes, today is the day. Today is the day to take notes uh, because I'm going to talk about something that you're going to wish you took notes if you didn't take notes. Uh, Let me tell you what we're going to talk about today. Um, We are going to be talking about something that I rarely discuss, and it's the topic that is in the news um, a lot right now. And I don't usually chase news stories uh, because I've got an awesome book that's just full of ideas. And, um, and I just love this book. It's full of messages. And I just stay laser focused on, on the Bible, on the Word of God. And I feel like everything else takes care of itself. But the Supreme Court just passed this ruling on same-sex marriages. And um, uh, I'm going to talk about that today because I, I feel like the church is confused. Uh, we're confused about uh, what we're supposed to do in this situation. And, uh, and the reason why we're confused is there is a scripture, and I thank God for this, but there's a scripture that's been d- embedded into our soul. If you've been coming to church for a while, this scripture is in you. Uh, and it reads like this, James chapter 2 verse 10, for whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. In other words, if you break one law, it doesn't matter which one it was. You're a sinner and you need Jesus Christ to forgive you. That's that's the bottom line. And so it's just such an incredible scripture because that forces everybody not to judge anybody. It's just, it's almost like if you go to the Houston State Prison. uh, Is there a Houston State Prison? Huntsville, Huntsville, go to Huntsville. There we go, there we go. So if you go to if you go to the Huntsville State Prison, which by the way I shouldn't be taking sidebars. I don't have time for this. But there was two escapees about uh, when I was sixteen. I don't know how many years it was because I'm focused on something else. But um, we came home and I was home by myself and my my room was ransacked. But my my room was always ransacked. So. <laughs> That didn't tip me off to anything. I was watching uh, some TV program. I think it was like 21 Jump Street or the A-Team or something like that. Anyone used to watch those shows? And all of a sudden, they stopped the regular scheduled program. They show this news station of these guys that got arrested, and he's wearing my clothes. True story. He's wearing my clothes. I used to have this jump man. I used to wear these jump man t-shirts. It's like this basketball line. He's got my jump man t-shirt and he's got my letter jacket on from high school. And I'm like, hey, that's my clothes. And, and so I start looking around. I'm like, the guy's been in my room. True story. True story. And so my family was out of town. And, and so we came back. And, and lo and behold, the whole time we were gone, they were living in our house, eating our Christmas cookies the whole nine yards. <laughs> and it was that prison over there by uh, Baytown. Uh, no, no, not Baytown. But, uh, Nederland, Beaumont, somewhere over there. Does anyone know the name of that prison? Stars. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, that one, right there. <laughs> 
right there. It might have been Styles. It might have been Styles. I can't remember, but I think you're right. I think it was Styles. But uh, that was wild. But imagine getting back to my sermon. Imagine a guy in cell six three uh, yells down and goes, "You you broke the law over you in in, in cell block D four. How dare you break the law?" <laughs> And he's in jail. He's in prison. So basically what that scripture is saying, hey, if you breathe air, if you're a human being, you have committed multiple sins. And if you've committed one, you're guilty of them all. In other words, whether you did this or whether you did that, if you break the law, you're going to go to prison. It doesn't matter which one you break. It's not like one's any worse than the other. You know, 50 years is 50 years. Now, in our world, you know, if you kill somebody, that's a lot worse than stealing something. Uh, But in God's mind, a a sin is a sin. If you've broke one, you've broken them all. So the church, the Christians, we have learned to embrace that. And so we've learned to not judge. And and, uh, most of us have. Uh, And if you haven't... We're praying for you. We, we've learned to not judge people. Uh, and we've also learned that uh, in Ezekiel 36, 26, if you haven't learned this, you, I, you've got to learn this, okay? Um, that flesh cannot fix flesh. Right? right? Yeah. So if there is something that's in your life, something that you do, a behavior of some sort, whatever it is, that you know God does not like and doesn't approve of. Um, Ezekiel 36, 26 says that he will give you a new heart and a new spirit. He'll take out from you that heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. What does that mean? That means you and I and anyone else that has any sin in our life. It's not like we can go, I'm never going to do that again and really be able to pull that off. But when you come before God and you say, I am sorry for my sins, I need you to give me a new heart and a new mind and a new spirit. If I'm ever going to be able to serve you the way you want me to, I need you to change me. I need you to change me. And that's the only way it takes place. So the church is learning this, this stuff. We're learning that we can't judge anybody. And we're also learning that it's by God's grace and strength that any of us are changed. So nobody is judging anybody, which is awesome. The problem is is that people are looking for what is right and what is wrong. They're they're looking for it. And if the church does not know what is right and what is wrong, then how are they ever going to find out? And so if we go on one side and we just go, we love you, we love you. Well, that nonverbal there is, hey, what you're doing we love you. But if you go to the other side of the spectrum and go, if you are in a same-sex marriage, if you're a homosexual, you're going to burn in hell. Well, that's a great message. And so it doesn't matter if you're on this side or on this side. And, and, and so it's like, hey, we can't polarize ourselves. But the Bible does polarize. But he polarizes in a very loving, graceful way. And I want to unpack that with you guys today. Now, this is very important. Uh, when I was in middle school, we used to play basketball. Uh, I was on a basketball team. We couldn't remember plays. So there's only five people on the floor at one time. 
And so um, my number, anytime the point guard would hold up three, that means I shoot. Anytime he holds up four, that means that guy shoots. We knew. When you get older, you run this offense where nobody knows who's going to shoot. You just shoot when you get an open shot. But right now, the church's number is being called. Your number is being called. Now, most of the time, you can live your life without taking too strong of a position on political things. On this particular area, you have to know what is right and what is wrong. You have to know. Now, how do you know what's right and what's wrong? Well, it determines on what your compass is. Let's just imagine. Does anyone here hunt deer or bear or anything like that? I've got a cousin. I've got a cousin of mine who hunts bear with his father. And they were telling me this story that they, they, went, into Mich- they went to Michigan. They got dropped off in some helicopter or something. And they, they, they pulled out their compasses and they decided that at 5 o'clock the next day... One would go this way, and the other one would go that way, and they would meet at these coordinates, north, whatever. And they said, okay, all right, see you tomorrow. And they went separate ways, both carrying a gun and went hunting for bear. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, A, you're crazy. (laughs) Like, if I'm hunting for bear, I've got a friend leaning up against my back, and we're like walking around like this. We're not separating. That's, That's baloney. But let's just say, hypothetically, the father had a compass where north was pointing that way, and the son had a compass where north was pointing this way. At some point, they're going to have to agree on what the compass is saying. What, what, are they, what compass are they going to choose here? You're going to have to agree here. Because your compass says west, this compass says north. You're going to have to agree on which compass you're going to use. As your pastor, if you're visiting here, I know I'm not your pastor, but you just need to hear me say this. You have got to determine what is your compass. That way, when somebody asks you a question, you look at your compass. You got to figure out what your compass is. Now, here's the thing. I talked about this last week or the week before. I need to talk about it again. There's only two compasses to choose from. There's not 50. I went to Walmart and bought this this morning. There's like 12 compasses to pick from. When it comes to moral position, what's right and what's wrong, you have two compasses to pick from. The first compass is a personal world view. That's the compass you can pick. A personal worldview is when you determine what is right and what is wrong according to how you feel, what you believe. It's your mind, what you think is right. Um, I, I was watching Oprah a few years ago, and I heard Oprah say, I just believe. Anytime somebody says that, I hit the er. <laughs> right away. I just believe that there are lots of different ways to get to God and lots of different ways to get to heaven. She has a personal worldview that is her compass. A biblical worldview says, no, no. I know that's what you believe and that sounds beautiful and that sounds awesome. But the Bible says that no man comes to the Father except through the Son. In other words, unless you have a relationship with Jesus, you don't get in. That's right. 
So now we've got two opposing views. One person would be using the Bible as a compass, and the other one is using what they feel is a compass. See, a lot of times we want God to be the kind of God that we want him to be, but not the kind of God that he is. Are you with me? Like, I would like Allie to be okay with me leaving my socks and underwear on the floor. I would like for her to be okay with me not doing the dishes ever. And she does it all the time. I would like for her to be okay with these things. She's not. Do you see what I know? I can work my brain to death in in the remainder of our marriage of trying to shape her and mold her and work her. And and I can wear her down. Probably not. She's a strong girl. (laughs) But God is God. And you can't make God into the kind of God you want him to be. If we had that option, well, shoot. I would talk to him about caloric punishment. (laughs) Because right now, if you eat a lot of calories... I would like to be able to eat chocolate for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and have no caloric punishment at all. I know that's a silly example, but you get my point. There's things that I would like to talk about too. I would like to say no babies ever die, ever, 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 period. End of discussion. That's not up for discussion. For whatever reason, the world is wired up this way. And I cannot change who he is. And so we got to figure out, do you serve him because he's great, because he died for our sins? Does he love us? Yes, he loves us. Will he help us in our weakness? Yes. Does he care for us? Yes. Does he see the areas? Now, this this is very important. Sometimes we have an appetite for sinful things. You know what an appetite is? It's when you're craving chocolate. You, you crave a sinful thing. But you know that God doesn't like it. Now what do you do? I just want you to know, all of us are in that boat. That's right. All of us. Doesn't matter what sin it is. We have to come to God and say, God, I know that the way I am is not the way you want me to be. If you don't do that Ezekiel 36, 26 thing where you pull out the bad stuff and stick in the good stuff, I'm in deep trouble. I need your help. Can I just tell you, I prayed that prayer for me. Something came to my mind that's a part of my life and I was driving to church this morning. I was like, God, I need you to rip that out of me. This is all of us. Now, this is what I want to talk about. I'm going to talk about four areas that people who say that homosexuality is okay, how they use the Bible to support their belief system, and it's wrong. Why am I going to spend time on that? Because your number is being called. Come on. That's right. People are looking to see what is right and what is wrong. When you turn on uh, the news at night, they're arguing about this back and forth. People are searching for answers and we have got to have an answer. So I'm going to talk about they, the people that believe that homosexual is A-OK, 
I'm going to talk about the four most popular positions they take and show you how that is not biblical. All right. Point number one. Are you guys ready? Are you guys ready? All right. Point number one. The Old Testament is no longer applicable. And, and they say, the Bible says that homosexuality is an abomination to God. That's the Old Testament. That does not matter anymore. The reason why they say that that doesn't matter anymore is because there's a scripture that insinuates that in the New Testament. Now, if you're new to Christianity, um, a lot of this message is, is like, whoa, man, I just walked in. We're in turbo. Can we go to first gear first? <laughs> Can we get in second gear? I mean, it's pretty heavy stuff, man. And I just want to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm a, I'll, I'll try to like talk in parallels as much as I can because I don't want you guys to feel that you're left out. And so, so there's two parts to the Bible. The old part is called the Old Testament, and the new part is called the New Testament, and the new part was when Jesus came. And when Jesus came and died on the cross, and he rose again, that was very important, because what it says is that the old law is now obsolete. And so what a lot of people believe is only the New Testament is important, because in Hebrews it says the old law is obsolete. And it's in the old law where it says that God sees homosexuality as an abomination. Which incidentally, I just need to take a sidebar. If you're a parent here and you're saying, oh, my kids are in this room, I feel really uncomfortable. If your kids are in this room and they understand me, they're already talking about this at school. I'm just, I just need to tell you that. Um, uh, I learned everything I know today about sex in the fourth grade. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay. Um, so, it, it, so it says that it's an obsolete. So when, whenever you talk with somebody that says, hey, uh, it, it's, it's obsolete. Usually, and let me read it to you. It's in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13. It reads, by calling this covenant new, he has made the old one obsolete. And what is obsolete is outdated and will soon disappear. So... A lot of people that say, look, homosexuality is not a sin because it's obsolete. Here's what the Bible says. It says that the law is obsolete, not the Old Testament. The law. What is the law? The law is 613 laws that are found within the first five books of the Bible. It's called the Torah. So it's not the whole Old Testament that is obsolete. It's the 613 laws. If you want to go home and Google the, what are the laws of the Bible, hit enter. Wikipedia will show up. Click on Wikipedia and read it. It's 613 laws in the first five books of the Bible. And so when Jesus came along and said, I'm doing away with the law. In other words, there's 613 laws. There's no way you're going to remember all those. There's no way you can follow all those. So let's just do away with all 613. And, and let's just, these are the only two laws I want you to remember. Love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, and desire. And love your brother as yourself. If you just just do that, everything else will take care of itself. So that's what they're saying. They're saying those 613 laws, not the Old Testament. Because if it was the Old Testament, we might as well throw away Proverbs. Proverbs. 
We might as well throw away Psalms. We might as well throw away your favorite verse in the Bible, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that God has for me, plans to prosper me, but not to harm me. You got to throw all that away. You got to throw away creation. Six days of creation and God rested on the seventh day. That's in the Old Testament too. So you can't throw away the whole Testament. You have to throw away the law. That's what Hebrew says. The law, not the Old Testament. Everybody got it? Say, I got it. I got it. So number two, this is the second thing that people often say. Jesus never mentioned homosexuality. So if Jesus didn't preach about it, why are we preaching about it? Now, how did I hear this argument? Funny story. Allie was in Canada, so I decided I was going to go on a spiritual retreat in Galveston. <sighs> Boy, was that a bad idea. So there was somebody in the church that had a lake house in Galveston, and, and they let me borrow it. Can you call a lake house in Galveston an ocean house? Beach house. You can tell I'm real familiar with this stuff. Beach house. And so I was like, I'd love to borrow your beach house for the weekend. That'd be awesome. Just going to pray all day long and read the Bible. So I get out there. I had trouble opening up the door. I couldn't figure out where the key was. Renee, are you here? Yes. <laughs> it was their beach house. Why don't you guys stand up real quick? So, yeah, okay, you don't have to stand up. So I'm at, yeah, thank you very much for the beach house. So. So I'm, saying, I'm at their beach house, and um, uh, I couldn't figure out where the door, uh, how to open up the door. They gave me directions. I couldn't remember how to do it. So this nice lady next door says, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, oh, geez. What are you doing? What are you doing over there? What are you doing? And she's trying to be protective over her friend's beach house. She's a good neighbor. I was like, well, what had happened was... <laughs> I'm their friend. Yeah, you're their friend. I heard that before. And so we get to know each other. And it's like, okay, the key is underneath the doormat or whatever it was. So there, all of a sudden her friend comes out. So I unlock the door. I get in. They're chatty, 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 chatty. Real nice, 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 nice. We're chatty, chatty. And so they say, so, so what do you do? Well... <laughs> I don't really like telling people what I do because that like opens Pandora's box. So I'm like, I do a lot of speaking, counseling. They're like, what do you do? And so I'm like, I'm going to turn the table. So I'm like, well, you know, I'm just busy. Oh my gosh, I'm busy. What do you do? Let's talk about you for a little while. She goes, well, me and my girlfriend... Like, not like girlfriend, like, like, um, like flag girlfriend, like they're, they're partners. There we go. They're partners. And so now I'm like, I'm definitely not telling them what I do now. So I'm like, okay, these, these ladies are real funny. They're cracking jokes. I'm laughing. They said, well, tell us what you do. I'm like, I'm a pastor. Oh, effing son of a blank and a blank, 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 effing, blah, 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 blank, son of a, and I'm like, she goes, you're the people who hate gays. I was like, no, we're not. Actually, I don't know who you're talking about, but that's not me. 
I promise. No, you're, and she goes, here's my issue with you guys. You guys are preaching something that never, Jesus never did. So what's your problem? I was like, look, um, I don't want to argue with you, but I do want to tell you that Jesus loves you a lot, and he loves me a lot, and, and we're both in the same boat. We both need Jesus real bad. She was like, oh, I've heard that before. And that conversation was over. So I got to thinking about it. I'm like, hey, did Jesus ever talk about this or not? Well, the truth of the matter is, is he didn't. Kinda. Watch this. Matthew chapter 19, verse 4. Jesus stated, at the beginning, the creator, Jesus is talking about his father, made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. So here's the thing. Jesus is describing what a wedding is supposed to look like, what a marriage is supposed to look like. You say, well, he didn't actually talk about homosexuality. Yes, but he doesn't talk about kidnapping either. (laughs) Here's the deal. The Bible is not a book of rules. It's, It's not like... The Constitution of the United States that tells you what you can do and what you can't do. That's not what the Bible is. The Bible is a is 66 books inside one. Just like when you went to college, you had to buy a book of short stories and there's 100 short stories inside of one book. There's 66 inside of one book. All of these stories, they have the same theme. They're all, they all have the same theme. It's about restoration. It's about taking somebody that's lost and bringing them to God. If you read all 66 books, it's just the same, different names, different people, different time, same thing. He loved that person so much that he pulled them out of sin and pulled them to himself. And so here's the thing. This Bible, this this book is not a list of rules. This is a invitation to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. When you read this book, you learn what he is like. And then you have the choice on whether or not you want to serve him or not. But this book describes what Jesus is like. You can't change it. You can't edit it. You can't add to it. You can't subtract to it. It's cover to cover. Now, here's the thing. This is what's supposed to happen. If I were to cook pizza for my wife tonight, like that would happen. But if I were to cook pizza for my wife tonight and I sprinkled it with anchovies, my wife has never, ever told me I hate anchovies. My wife has never written down on a piece of paper, I hate anchovies. But I have lived with my wife. We've been married for 14 years. Not only do I know that she does not want anchovies on her pizza, but I know other things about her that she never told me. Because I know her. And that is a relationship with Jesus Christ that he wants to have. He says, the, uh, the old law, 633 laws, I'm doing away with it. I'm taking the law and I'm putting it on your heart so you'll know what I like. 
We have the option of looking at God, looking at His Word of God, and determining whether or not we want to adopt it as our compass or not. But don't say that you've adopted it as your compass if you pick and choose. You can't pick and choose. It's either the whole thing or it's none of it. That's like me saying, Allie, I want to be married to you. I'm committed to you, except on Friday nights. Uh (laughs) Are you with me? Um, Let's go. Um, Let's move on to, to this thought right here. Um, uh, the other thing I hear is uh, these two ladies in Galveston, they told me, uh, they said, well, Jesus never preached about it. And the only one who ever preached about it was uh, the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul was a bigot. He hated gays. And he, uh, he didn't even like women wear, having long hair. He didn't like men having short hair. And so anybody who talks like that, we can't trust them anyway. It's like, Okay. Well, the truth of the matter is, is that he did put that in the Bible. He did say that men should not have long hair. And he did say that women should have long hair and not have short hair. Don't you love the awkwardness in this room? Because we're like, what? Huh? What? See, this is what we got to figure out right here and now, right here and now. I just said something that, that makes everybody very uncomfortable because I have short hair. <laughs> right? So now we're all awkward. Now we're awkward. And see, their position of these two ladies, they were saying, Paul, he had this weird theology. And so if he talks like that, why would we believe this? All of us, every single one of us in this room, we have got to decide once and for all whether or not this is your compass or not. Because let me tell you, six months from now, nobody's going to be talking about gay marriage in the Supreme Court. It's going to be a whole new issue. And six months after that, it's going to be a whole new issue. Six months after that, it's a whole new issue. And God has set us up to be like a light on a hill where people are supposed to be able to look at you to determine where to go and what to do. They're lost. And we got to have an answer. And if this is going to be your compass, you got to make up once and for all. And when you hear stuff like that, you don't go, yeah, you're right, you're right. You're right. Paul's a, Paul's a knucklehead. You've got to be able to back up and say, one thing I know in my heart is that the word of God is real. Now I'm confused with my head. I need to go figure this out. So let me just tell you. Clearly, it's okay for men to have long hair. Because God told Samson, don't cut your hair. John the Baptist was not allowed to cut his hair because God told him to. So what do we got now? Now we got an interesting situation. Now we got to go, hmm, I got to figure this out. You don't pitch the whole Bible just because you don't understand something, right? You back up and go, what is going on here? What is happening here? The issue was, had nothing to do with hair. The issue was, is the church of Corneth, they were rebellious. They talked bad about each other all the time. And they were insulting each other all the time. They didn't honor the word of God at all. And women actually got themselves in trouble by not having long hair. 
Let me explain to you. This is a story that I, I read um, by Dr. Roger Barrier. Uh, he just had this experience a short time ago. His wife's name is Julie. Julie and I got lost in a giant bazaar shopping mall in Turkey. I'm not surprised. It is 20 acres covered shops and eating. I'm sorry. It is 20 acres of covered shops and eating places with streets traversing, twisting, and twirling pathways of lostness. We exited onto a back alley. Men were sitting around smoking and joking as Julie and I uncomfortably walked by. As we passed, they began to make the most vulgar, inappropriate, and crude sexual offers of what they wanted to do with Julie. I remember thinking, don't they understand that she's with me? I am here to protect her. They ignored me and continued their sexual assaults on Julie. We were running the gauntlet. When we exited, Julie went immediately to a street vendor and bought a scarf. All comments and innuendos ceased as we continued shopping with her head covered. It's an issue in that part of the country of safety and protection. Let me just say, it is extremely difficult in those days to be able to look at a woman that was covered up. And he, he lived in Turkey. This was the culture. If you go to Israel today, has anyone been to Israel? Anyone here been to Israel? It's not like the United States of America. It is a third world country. That is a different world out there. When I go to Guatemala, it's not like I can say, you know what you guys should do is open up a subway. It's a different world over there. And some things are just cultural. Uh, here's another thing. It also does, is an issue of modesty. Let me read this, uh, this other account. I recently attended a worship service where a mom and a daughter played a classical piano duet as part of the service. The daughter was a piano prodigy. Her playing was incredible. So were her legs. Whether or not she should have covered her head, I don't know. But she at least could have covered her legs as she tickled the keys. Little worship occurred as everyone around me was whispering about her tiny skirt. What a contrast to the 16-year-old, 20 feet away, who knew how to bring glory to Jesus by not focusing on herself. Covering the head was an issue of, per, of protection and modesty. These are still issues today. So if you go, wait a minute, wait a minute, why are you outruling the head covering? Why don't you outrule the law too? Oh, now hold on a second. We're talking about modesty. And guess what? In 2015, modesty is still a big deal. The Bible is still true. And so when Paul says these words about homosexuality, you can take it for face value. Do you know who recruited Paul? Jesus. Do you know who mentored Paul in the desert of Arabia after Jesus died for three years? Jesus. He came back to earth and mentored him for three years one-on-one. -on -one. So when Paul says what God wants, we can accept that as truth.
This is what Paul said. He says this, and um, I got so many notes up here, I don't even know where I'm at anymore. I usually preach with three notes, but I didn't want to come up here empty-handed. First Corinthians, three pages of notes. Now I have like 17. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? This is in the New Testament. This isn't the law. Do not be deceived. Now watch this list. Neither the sexual immoral. This is whether you're sleeping with a guy that's your... This is same sex, opposite sex, outside of marriage, sexual immoral. Nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality. Nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers or swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. This is in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Watch this. In Romans chapter 1, verse 26. For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions. You know what gave them up means? He's pulling on their conscience. Pulling on their conscience. Pulling on their conscience. And then he just goes like this. I'm done. And that's why people stop feeling bad. So he gave them up to their, to their ways. For their women exchange natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up their natural relations with women who were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. So what's happening here? The Bible is abundantly clear. That homosexuality is a sin. But watch this. Did you notice that homosexuality was in a list? It wasn't standing alone. We cannot take homosexual lifestyles, put them over here, and judge the mess out of them, and, and ignore the fact that there's a long list of things that are just as wrong. Just as wrong. I talked about this at the beginning. Though, If you breathe air, we need the blood of Jesus to forgive us. If you are a human being, you need mercy on your life. I need mercy on my life. There's not categorical sins. They're all wrong. We all need Jesus. Now, here's the thing. What, what point was that? Oh, it was number three. Uh, this is my, my last point. Sodom and Gomorrah. How much time do I got? I'm three minutes over time. Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, a friend of mine uh, shared this with me, that Sodom and Gomorrah in the Old Testament, that it, the, this city uh, was known to be a homosexual city, and God destroyed them. But a friend shared this with me and said, the Bible never said that they were destroyed because they were homosexual. And if you read the Bible in Genesis chapter 19, you will find out that that is exactly Right? That there's no conversation about homosexuality at all in the entire story, the entire account. If you don't know about Sodom and Gomorrah, let me catch you up. Two angels came down to the earth disguised as men. There were other men in the city that saw these two men, and they, were, they thought they were gorgeous. And so they banged on the door of the house that these two angels were in. They said, let these two men out so that we can have, and the Bible says, our way with them. And if you read other translations, they wanted to rape the two men. And so the article that my friend sent me said, obviously, gang rape is wrong. No one's arguing that. But they, they weren't wrong for being homosexual. And then 
the article shares this scripture right here. Let me see if I can find it. Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49. It says, Now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and the needy. And so the argument was... Why are we getting mad at Sodom and Gomorrah and saying that God punished them because they were homosexual when the Bible doesn't say anything about that? (coughs) Once again, can you be swayed so easily to adopt a new teaching? Can somebody with a silver tongue change your whole belief system? Or do you back up and say, I know that that feels wrong and I'm sticking with my compass. You're not going to change my compass. Now, if I need to go back and study that, I will. (coughs) You know what? When I heard that for the first time, I I had it sent to me. I was sitting there. I was like, man, that's a good point. Maybe I should read the Bible a little bit more. Lo and behold, that article that was sent to me failed to include Jude chapter 7. How convenient. Because in Jude chapter 7, it reads this. Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. It's very interesting when somebody makes a strong point and you know in your spirit, that doesn't sound right. It's, It's called confirmation bias, where you find information to support your position. That's confirmation bias. That's when a reporter says, hey, I think, you know, uh, these people uh, are blah, 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 blah. And she only goes and interviews people that supports her case. That's confirmation bias. And you, ex- and, and you ignore the other part of the scripture. I'm saying, let's read the entire scripture. Let's read it all. Amen. Let's read it all. Why is this so important? This is so important because Jesus' blood cannot go to waste. He died on the cross and I need his blood. I need his blood today and I'm going to need it tomorrow because I'm imperfect and I make so many sinful mistakes. I need his blood. You need his blood. People who have anger issues and murderers and liars and deceivers and homosexuals, they need his blood. Even more or equal to needing to be forgiven, we need his help to change us because we can't change us on our own. Do you know how disappointed I was when I found out that carbohydrates was bad? The only carbohydrates out there that are good are vegetables. And guess what? I don't really like vegetables. And so all bread and all pasta is bad. Well, guess what? I'm Italian. I got carbohydrates in my DNA. (laughs) It's in my DNA. And so now I got to stop eating what I... My parents are carbohydrate freaks. How do you change your appetite? Well, obviously, it's a parallel. Flesh cannot fix flesh. We have to come before God and say, I need you to change me. Now listen to me. Somebody has got to tell the people that you live life with, hey, this is what the truth looks like. Now, I want to share with you a video clip. 
Billy Graham never, ever, ever, ever sidestepped an issue. He never, ever, ever sidestepped an issue and the most famous people wanted to talk to him because people are craving the truth. They're not craving acceptance. They're craving the truth. And little do they know that the truth is accepting. Watch Billy Graham. Watch this. You don't have to teach a, a child to be bad. You teach a child to be good. The child will, will automatically lie. A child will automatically slap its mother. And the Bible teaches that we have this thing down inside of us. This is what Christ taught. This is what the Bible teaches from Genesis to Revelation, that we have a disease. And this is why Christ came that first Christmas. That's what Christmas is all about, that he came to save us from this disease. Because if this disease ran rampant in the world, it could destroy the human race. Um, the all-time revivalists had a really healthy belief in hell. If one is unable to take this leap into the dark and dies out of grace, do you believe in hell? I believe that Jesus talked about hell. I believe that he taught that there was a hell in this life and a hell to come. Now, what form that hell takes in the future, we have a great deal of symbolic language in the Bible to yeah. describe it, and I would not uh, try to describe it at all. But I do believe that there's an eternity, a heaven and a you hell. You would be prepared but to call it an eternal torment? I would be prepared to call it the words that Jesus called it. He used the words condemned, he used the word lost, he used the word hell, whatever <coughs> he might have meant by that. It's not a matter of what I believe, it's uh, what the Bible teaches. And the Bible teaches that premarital sex relations are wrong. Yeah, that's funny. To, to me, that would be like, uh, you know, like driving a car, you know, getting a driver's license without a learner's permit first. Well, well let, let's, uh, let's just, uh, let's just uh, see. Now, you know, we have to have rules to live by. And uh, what we're saying is we're going to play a baseball game without any rules. We're going to play a football game without any rules. We're going to live a life without any moral rules. Well, God has laid down certain rules and said, if you want the best of life and you want complete happiness and fulfillment, live by these rules. And one of those rules is that thou shalt not commit immorality. Ah, but wait a minute. But if you're, say you're dating a girl, right? Well, I, uh, I don't intend to date anyone. No, but I mean... <laughs> all the way God was teaching Israel all through the Old Testament that there was one God, only one, that we're to serve and we're to worship. Right, and that doesn't seem to you as, say, an egomaniacal position. On God's part? On God's part. Oh, no, God is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny, when I look in the mirror in the morning, it's hard for me to believe that. <laughs> now, you know, in God's sight, you are beautiful. And, in, and everyone, <laughs> because, uh, because God loves all of us, and he has the hairs of our head numbered, he sees the sparrow fall, he's interested in every detail of your life, he made you like you are, he made you Woody Allen, and he expects you to live up uh, to a standard that he has made, and if you don't live up to it, then the Bible says you're falling short, and that's where you need God's help for redemption. You think everybody... Everybody has broken every commandment, yes, sir. The Bible says if we break in one point, we're guilty of all. Oh, and then when Jesus came after Moses, he explained that the, that the Ten Commandments can be broken in your heart by thought and intent. So in that sense, we're all guilty. And that's the reason the Bible says that everybody's a sinner. Even Ed is a sinner. Well, 
that, that <laughs> comes as quite a surprise. They, they, they come. <laughs> I guess I just want to, I guess I'm just troubled by the fact that, that we have to put the seed of sin in a little baby. Why don't we relax and just watch well, just all at this wonderful... I'm, I'm telling you what the Bible teaches, not what I teach. Yeah, that's the part that troubles me. You know, I, I understand... But that... you have to come by faith, uh, Phil. Uh, you, you'll never be able to reason it out. If you try to reason it out, you're sunk. Uh, really? Yes. You agree? Oh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> the dialogue... I mean, we're trying... You know, Phil, what you're trying to do and what we're trying to do is to develop a God like ourselves. We, well, we do not want the revelation of God. We do not want God to say, I'm a God of judgment, I will judge you, and uh, so forth. We don't want that. Right. We want to make God in our image so that we become guilty of idolatry, which is the worst of all sins. Yeah. What do you see your role as now, Dr. Graham? I'm going to continue to preach the gospel as long as God gives me breath. When I was asked to consider going into motion pictures in 1949 in California, that's what I told uh, those people at that time, and I've told everybody since then when a president has called and asked me to take a certain job or to do something or somebody's asked me to run for an office, I've told them the same thing. And I would say it today as I said it then with even more authority. I intend to preach as long as I have the strength to do it. Do, do you want me to tell you why, when you were watching that video clip, you felt good watching him? Yeah. You want me to tell you why you felt good? You just because you're watching somebody do what you are born to do, and your soul is coming alive when you watch it. You're seeing him do what you are designed to do and it you can feel it it just feels good to watch him and he's doing it with uncompromising truth and tons of love and the most famous people in the whole world asked for him to come over here and talk to us we disagree but i want to talk to you why because they are attracted to the truth Here's the position the church should be in on homosexual relationships. You ready? I love you. I hate your choice. I love you. I hate your choice. That's the position. See, the left, they want us so bad. They want us so bad to be haters of people with same-sex marriage. But we're not. So it frustrates the message. You hate. No, I don't. I don't hate at all. But the right, the far right, they want, you can never be aggressive enough. Well, the truth of the matter is, is that we back up and we say, I love you. Your choice is wrong. Well, I don't want to make anyone mad. No, what you, what you want to do is you want to make Jesus proud. That's what you want to do. Now, now here's the thing. Let me say this. I was thinking on my way here, if a reporter were to shove a microphone in my mouth, and I know that they're just looking for a sound bite, just a little clip. Not, not everything I say is going to make the news, just a little beep. And so here's the microphone. Are homosexuals going to hell? That's all they want to know. They want a sound bite. I would say this. All sin including mine and including homosexuality will be punished 
without the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, if I can fit it all in one sentence, that's a tough soundbite. It's tough to, to edit that. All sin, including mine, including homosexuality, will be punished without asking forgiveness from Jesus Christ. Let me just tell you, Jesus is not walking the earth anymore, and angels are invisible. The responsibility is ours. The responsibility is ours. Would you stand to your feet for me, please? I want to, I got time for this. I need a microphone. Is this one hot? Sly, come on up here real quick. Is Is this one on? There we go. How many people watched fireworks last night? Any of you watched fireworks? Sly? <laughs> He's looking at me like I'm asking him to sing because you're a good singer, but we're not going to make it that easy. <laughs> Sly, I want you to imagine that I just came out of the hills of Guatemala. I've been living under a rock. I don't even know what electricity is. Never seen electricity. I don't know what a faucet is. I don't know what running water is. I don't know what any of that is. I've been living in a hut raised by my parents. I want you to describe to me what fireworks. I want you to describe to me. Describe to me what fireworks is. Gosh. Microphone. Okay. Do you understand English? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's not fast. C, C, C. I understand English. All right, talk to me. Describe to me what fireworks is. Okay. Microphone. Okay. Are you married? My... I don't know where you're going with this, but yes. Yeah, I'm married. I'm married. Okay, you understand English. Okay, so when you and your wife have fellowship, that same feeling and sensation. All right, hold on. I got to stop you here. I, got... I want you to tell me. I'm trying. What? I'm trying. It's fireworks. I want you to tell me what fireworks looks like. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> okay. What, what does fireworks... Take a different route. Take a different route. Okay. Uh, <laughs> man, you just came from a hut, man. Yeah. Oh, uh, gosh. That's hard. Uh, Just, just start throwing stuff out there. You'll, you'll find center. Just start throwing okay. it out there. When you look into the sky, when yeah. you look into the sky, there will be bursts of energy. And in that energy, there are different lights and colors. And there's sound that goes along with that. That sound kind of sounds like thunder, like a storm. But the appearance of the fireworks are very beautiful and very pleasant to the eyes. 
And if you look about 100 feet up, they appear in bursts of like stars of lights and illumination. Hold on, hold on. There's a burst. Mm -hmm. It's loud. Yes. And like stars come out of it. Well, there's different designs of each fireworks and it depends on the designer. It, you, so you hold on, hold on, hold on. There's a burst. Mm -hmm. It's a loud bang. Yes. And colors come out. Yes. And, okay. Different colors. And uh, by the design and the description, uh, there's different there's different kinds of fireworks. They could be big blast and they could be smaller ones. Uh, but they're all different kind of colors. They could be purple, they can be yellow, they can be blue, uh, they can be orange. Give Sly a big round of applause. Can you, that's describing fireworks. Do we now understand what the scripture means that what God has prepared, no mind can imagine, no ear has ever heard, no eye has ever seen. We cannot wrap our mind around how incredible God is and the things he has planned for us. And we have got to stay laser focused to get as many people there as we possibly can. We are the light. It's depending on us. If you haven't invited somebody to church lately, you need to do it. If you haven't stood up for something that you believe in, you need to stand up for it.